0: all right hello everyone um welcome to grunge limitless the podcast where we reflect on the grunge era of the early to mid 90s we are your hosts i'm eric hadacost
1: uh, i'm aiden pollard
0: and i'm elise Greco. so in this episode we're going to be talking about the music that got its start in the emerald city seattle washington We will also be talking about the bands credited with starting this style of music, the bands that came out of the era, and how grunge music influences musicians today. So Elise, we'll start with you. Do you wanna give us some background?
2: Yeah, sure. So the grunge era was really big from about 1991 to 95. Um, I just wanted to start with the word grunge. It's a word that's definition kind of means like dirty or grimy. And the term can't really be traced back to a specific person. No one can really be attributed by like coining the term. It just kind of seemed to, pick, to stick perfectly and describe the sort of music and lifestyle that emerged in Seattle. Um, the music specifically was different than what the industry was seeing from rock musicians around the time. There were still heavy metal and punk rock bands like we see today, but a large amount of the rock bands that were coming out of the 80s were big hair bands like Aerosmith and Def Leppard. And they're, they, were, they were flashy bands and their music was kind of a mixture of like glam rock and heavy metal and their hair was big, they wore makeup, their songs and lyrics and attitudes can be argued to reflect those of the time and the big hair bands talked about like wealth and arguably like they were vain. And um, These bands made high budget music videos for the most part and high budget, or high-budget albums, and they wanted to be successful in the mainstream. They wanted the fame that they had. And then when grunge music came out, it was completely different. Um, Struggle and self-criticism was a big theme in music created by these artists. Bands like Nirvana and Soundgarden and Pearl Jam were very open about life struggles, even when it had to do with pain and addiction and relationship issues in their lyrics. These emotional lyrics were performed alongside heavy guitar riffs and played in an unpolished style that was actually strategic even though it, made it, it didn't seem like that. Um, there was meaning behind it and they didn't really look for their fame, it just kind of happened. Um, a younger crowd really were able to find meaning in the music because of the topics they were talking about because most people can argue that being a teenager is one of the hardest times in your life. And as we all know, teens are like a very big market and what they like usually seems to be in style or seems to be big. So their kind of fame wasn't really, they weren't really looking for it, it just kind of happened. So the Seattle music scene and the underground bands were blowing up among their community. And they started with a small, there was a start of a small local record label called Sub Pop Records, and they started to sign a bunch of these bands. So the release of Deep Six, which was a compilation of music from six different Seattle bands that include the Melvins, Green River, Soundgarden, Malfunction, Function, Skin Yard, and Newman, was really big and it's accredited as the first distribution of grunge music. And then although all of these bands overall had different sounds, they were kind of grouped together in the Seattle grunge scene and after the break into the mainstream, that can, be accre- that can be credited to Nirvana for their Smell Like Teen Spirit music video debuting on MTV and how big it got among the younger generation. Um, other Seattle bands after this started to blow up and people were actively looking for Seattle bands and wanted them because they knew that there was a market behind them and then other bands after this that were not from Seattle started trying to copy the sound and the style that these bands were doing.
0: All right, so that's some background. Aiden, do you want to tell us about some of the bands that were popular during this era?
1: Yeah, so I'm sure everybody's super tired of hearing about Nirvana when we talk about grunge, but I mean, it's even though they weren't the only ones, they were certainly the biggest for a long time, and they were what broke into the mainstream. But I mean, I think it's important to note that they weren't—they really weren't the first. You know, uh, Soundgarden was a band three years before they even started, and. Almost six years before they even released their first record um and before nirvana hit the mainstream, there was a really huge bubbling scene in Seattle of uh of grunge and grunge music. They just happened to to make the break that nobody else had made yet and um you know uh a lot of the the bands that came out the um the way they the way they acted and the way they presented themselves was that had this punk sentiment of um doing everything they did specifically to piss people off, but they did it sort of in a different way where uh, punks were more outward and like actively trying to get your attention, mm-hmm. but uh, grunge artists are a lot more passive and just acting like they don't care, even though in a lot of cases they really did. Um, I know uh, Dave Grohl said about Kurt Cobain a bunch of times that he was like such a stickler in like practices and stuff like that, even though he always put off this idea that he just did not care about anything at all. And then, um, you know, we can look at bands who influenced uh, the bands like Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, like uh, like the Beatles with their pop structure, because grunge is really uh, made up of this structure where it's this really soft um, verse that blows up kind of out of nowhere into a gigantic chorus, and then right back into that soft, soft verse. But um, it still keeps this really simple structure that. I think made it palatable for the time because it's still kind of poppy at its heart if you like, if you take away all the loud noise rock aspect of it.
0: Mm-hmm. I actually found a cover of a Beatles song Kurt Cobain did and I just wanna play it for a little bit um, while we have some time. I'm, not, I'm just gonna briefly play. It's the song And I Love Her and we can definitely hear the simplified back and forth between the two chords and the low, where, like it's very much his style, but. Yet that same structure, like you were talking about, the format is in there. So let's take a listen. Yeah, so it's just a little bit of that, um, kind of almost John Lennon-esque with just like, this to- like the tone, um, what would you call it, like the pitch in which he sings. It sounds a lot kind of like he's just talking or having a conversation. Um, okay, so are we all done addressing the current? Um, event? Actually,
1: I, th- I think um, when you play that, there's, there's something interesting that comes up. because yeah, when, yeah. when Kurt Cobain would sing really... um really softly like that mm-hmm. you know before he got on stream it, you can hear it a lot in um, the MTV MTV unplugged you can almost hear that he would have been like a really good country artist if he tried yeah. like he's got this kind of this kind of twang twangy. and this really nice like soft yeah singing voice but he right. just he almost never used it
0: yeah I like that it's kind of just definitely maybe he wanted to be soft deep down but it was just like an internal struggle or something I don't know <laughs> um, so is it okay for me to move on? Are we yeah, else? um go ahead. Um, so I'm gonna talk briefly about where grunge led and the music that came after it. So a lot of people argue that grunge died when Kurt Cobain died and stuff like that. But there was definitely something to say about the post-grunge that emerged in like 94, 95, 96. And after doing some research, it definitely can be described as like rock anthem style meets ballad and pop kind of thing. So there was emphasis on lyrics more um, in less straightforward ways. Um, people just got more creative with it. It was, I found a quote on a website, this isn't word for word, but they basically said early grunge was very anchored in 80s alternative rock while post-grunge drew influence, like more influences and almost tried to imitate that early grunge sound to be pristine and quote radio ready. So it was like these musicians were coming out, but since grunge wasn't a new and different thing anymore, it's like they were trying to imitate it instead of bringing something new. But I will say there were some musicians that did bring something new to it, um, even though some musicians like Nickelback kind of didn't really bring anything new to it, they just like imitated it. Little
2: Nickelback.
0: Yeah, but um, so I'll talk about that a little bit. Um, Let's see, the Foo Fighters, David Grohl, like Aiden was saying, was the drummer in Nirvana. And in 1994, out of, a Netflix documentary in the 90s said basically out of the ashes of Nirvana he created Foo Fighters and so this was the first time he ever fronted a band and he always said he couldn't really be charismatic or aesthetic and he never really imagined himself fronting a band but um, it ended up being a hit so one song ever long um, we can hear the Nirvana influence in the guitar and the raspy voice I'm just going to play a little bit of it Yeah, so you can hear the um, very minor third emphasis. I'm weaving music theory, and I'm sorry. I think, yeah, just like the low riffs and the minor chords. Um, and d- that's definitely the Nirvana influence, and I guess you could describe them as angsty modern rock with influences of that classic rock. Also, the Smashing Pumpkins, one of the few post bands that did bring something a little different to the tab- table. Their voice was more breathy. They sung in higher pitches, and they were influenced a lot by Cheap Trick, which is a classic rock band, and Nirvana, and they gave it kind of a pop twist. So let's see, I, we have 15 minutes, right? Yep. Okay, I have time to play a little bit of this song. So that's a little bit of a song to forgive by the Smashing Pumpkins and like I said we can hear that same guitar style the low riffs and then also a lot of women came out of this idea of just grunge and kind of rolling onto the stage with no makeup and jeans and just not caring kind of thing and Alanis Morissette was one of those women um, in the ways that she didn't really care about like at least was saying beauty and vanity and um, like those early 80 rock stars. And so one song she has called Mary Jane definitely reflects this laid back guitar style that we've been playing. And I'll play a little bit of that too. So that's a little bit of more set. And for the next, bits of our podcast we're gonna wrap it up talking to you guys um so what musicians of today do you think resemble or seem influenced by grunge through their music if anyone wants to come up and share a thought maybe if you can't think of like their music like maybe their
2: style their how we were talking about how it was different from the 80s when they were very like their lyrics were kind of about like vanity and things like that but then these lyrics kind of change to more
0: like meaningful things yeah like relationships and struggle and stuff like that so hi could you say your name and then you can go ahead and answer the question hi i'm angelina um
2: i don't know if it's specifically their music because
0: i think they're more punk
2: but i think green day's style is definitely really grungy mm-hmm. and i don't know i mean they all grew up during the time when grunge Mm -hmm. first came out, so I feel like they
1: definitely got some influence from that.
0: Yeah, I think since grunge kind of was a brief thing that was fleeting, the people growing up in that time period probably wanted to like grab onto it and somehow take it to the next level and that's a good example Green Day, so thank you.
2: I just wanted to ask, what about the heroin influence in Grunge? I mean, there's something that people always mm-hmm. seem to talk about. There are a lot of the musicians out of Seattle, and Seattle has its own heroin problem. But uh, any thoughts on that? And did it have an effect on the music? I mean, I think it definitely did have a big impact on the music. A lot of songs talked about, like struggles and addictions, and it was very open that Many of these artists did have problems like I mean Kurt Cobain and his wife were like in the media all the time about their daughter if they could even have her because of their problems Um, and many like great artists and frontmen of bands actually died before their bands could even be as big as they wanted to be because of these problems so I think it was really big and it definitely did have an influence I was Probably going to focus that on that more in our next podcast when we talk more about like the style and attitude, but I think that in the music too, like just briefly talking about it and through the lyrics and everything that definitely had an, an influence.
0: Um, so let's see. We have a few artists, yes, for the next few seconds. Um, so how do you want to go out this? I mean, I
2: could just ask someone else again in the audience. Um, for the people who like didn't have an example off their top of their head, if we gave you one, maybe you would. Do you? Does anyone want to argue that maybe like Billie Eilish has some sort of grunge influence? Does anyone want to talk about it? Either of you guys, or both, if you want. <laughs> I think she definitely goes against like modern beauty standards for women. Like she wears clothes that are baggy and ripped and dark and. Her hair is crazy colors and her songs are about, you know, struggles and sadness and things like that. So, I think it definitely is influenced by this era. Yeah. Did yeah. you want to talk too? Sure.
0: Okay. <laughs> she definitely has that attitude of just, like, I don't have to be cutesy and happy all the time, which is awesome for women yeah, I would say to me, her style is definitely influenced by grunge, like the way that she actually dresses. Her music, I think her lyrics are definitely uh, reminiscent of that era, but I think her music's a little bit more um pop, but not like bubblegum pop, but it's still very electric, very um acoustic, but not like the raw acoustic of grunge.
2: I don't feel like I could even like describe her style in some sort of box. Like, I feel like yeah, I'm still trying yeah. to figure her out, it's but very I totally contemporary. yeah, <laughs> I totally see what you're saying.
0: Okay, yeah, well, do you want to wrap it up then? Sure, yeah. Um, I guess we don't have time, but the 1975 and Cage the Elephant were some other ideas if you want to reflect on that. But thank you for listening to this week's uh, episode. Tune in next time when we will discuss the style and attitude that came along with the music, and we'll also dive more into the heroin thing that Elmer was talking about. So um, thanks again, and I'll play us out.